Okay, if you're ready to get in the Word, grab your Bible. Grab your Bible, rip the cover off of it. Rip it open like you're hungry. And uh, let's go to Lamentations chapter 5. Who is ready to be done with Lamentations? Who's, who's the, I, I need to know this. I need to know this. Raise your hand if you're like, I am so done with Lamentations. Please don't preach from Lamentations for a while again. Raise your hand. Okay. I got a couple people. All right. I'm kind of feeling that way too. Just sometimes the Old Testament, if not encased with the gospel, can be so, ah, uh, can be such a grind. And Lamentations in, in specific is such a dark book, right? And, and it can be so hard to read. The section today, I'm actually going to skip over a part because I realize there's kids in this part. It's just so like, ah, uh, this is hard. And so uh, if you have your Bible, flip it open to Lamentations chapter 5. And uh, the title of the message today is going to be Learning How to Lament learning how to lament. That's what we've been doing the last five weeks. We've been learning how to lament. And I don't know if you've really learned it or not, or if you were just listening and not applying, but this week in particular, I want to apply what we've learned over the last five weeks. So no matter how long you've been here, no matter how many weeks out of the last five you're here, you can go listen online. Last week might be a little rough, but you can go listen online and you can list, learn how to lament. Chapter 1, chapter 2, remember chapter 4, they were all on acrostic. The Hebrew alphabet, A, B, there's no C, but you get the gist, all the way to T. They don't have a Z. And, and you, you get the gist of that, 22 verses in each of the first two chapters, and in the fourth chapter, because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and he was giving a very organized um, kind of put together package of crying out to God. It's like the only thing that makes sense is the letters. In chapter three, he goes 66 verses. So it goes AAA, first three verses, BBB, next three verses. And so it's all been organized. Now, here's what you need to know about chapter five. It all breaks loose. It's like this, uh, uh, Jeremiah, we think he wrote this. It's like he just breaks down and he forgets all order and it just goes into chaos. And he's like at the end of it and he's just like, God help us. We need you. He just goes right for it. So with that urgency and intensity, I want to preach today. This is a communal prayer for God's mercy. And we, as a church, are begging for God's mercy. God, build our church back up again. Give us the grace that you once had. Give us the favor that you once had on us. And I want you to leave here today with a way forward through any trial or tribulation. Because they're coming. If you're not in one now, it's coming. And so this book, Lamentations, is a way forward through the trial, through the tribulation. So church, five weeks we've spent on this. If you leave here, and in two weeks, or two months, or two years, you go through the hardest, darkest valley of your life, and you forget what you learned here, 
I don't know how to help you. <laughs> but if you remember what we taught right here, if you go back to this book and you rip it open and you dig into it, this will have been a successful five weeks. Now, I don't want you just to go off and be like, oh, I hope I remember. I want you to practice it. So this week, I'm going to ask you to write a lament. This week, I'm going to ask you to write a lament. So pay attention today. I'm going to teach you how to write a lament today from chapter five. And then I want you to practice it this week. Next week, you can come back. I'm not preaching. Y'all are preaching. And you get to read your lament to the church, right? That's going to be our service next week. So take the time to do it. Even if you're scared, I get it. Public speaking isn't everybody's gig. Just go up there and read it. You don't have to make up anything. You don't have to ad lib. Just go up there and read it. Matter of fact, just to keep us all on track, it's just been said you never hand somebody a microphone without knowing what they're going to say. And yet I'm up here again. Uh-oh. But I would love for you to type it out or write it out, take a picture, send it to me or email it to me so I can see what you're going to say and can be blessed by it. And then on Sunday, we'll have everybody read their lament. Is everybody clear on what I'm asking you to do? I'm asking you to write a lament this week. It could be four lines. It could be a page, not four pages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Are you at Lamentations chapter five? If you're there, say you're there. Perfect. All right. I'm going to give you four steps to writing your own lament. Four steps to writing your own lament. See, God's not expecting us to deny our emotions and our feelings. God is an emotion. He has emotion, intellect, emotion, will. He created us like him, intellect, emotion, will. You have emotion. You have feelings. They should come out. God's giving you a way to bring out your emotion to him. And I want you to do that. He's not saying hide it. He's not saying deny it. Don't stuff it. Some people, some families of origin, just stick it under the rug. Don't say anything. God's saying, it's okay. You can say it. I can handle it. And by the way, I want to hear it. Call on to me and I will answer you and show you great and hidden things. So I want you to practice this week. I want you to be ready for when trials and tribulations come. So just go back to your last trial or tribulation, write a lament on that. I'm going to give you four steps to writing your own lament. Here we go. Number one, first things first, turn to God in prayer. Look at it. I'll just start reading verse one of chapter five. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Do you see that? He turns to God. He says, God, I'm here. Are you here? I want to talk to you. I'm dialing you up. I want you to hear. I want you to look. I want you to see. I want you to remember the things you said. I want you. Turn to God in prayer. I'm just going to keep reading. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. I have written there 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 in my margin. You might want to write that because it's good to remember the New Testament. I'll get to that at the end of our message. 
our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink and the wood we get must be bought. Just It just reminds me of the rock in the wilderness. They didn't have to pay for their water. God just provided them with it. That's amazing. They didn't have to pay for their food. God brought manna. God brought quail. So this is a hardship. We must pay. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. When you're going through a trial, it can be tiresome. You can get sick of it. A lot of you guys are weary of even being in the book of Lamentations. You're like, let's move on. I'm there too. We are given no rest. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. We're trying to get from everybody but God what we need when the one person we need to turn to is God. So the first step, turn to God in prayer. Go to him out loud. <laughs> Lift up your voice. Lament means cry out. It's desperate. It's fervent prayer. What do you need from God? Tell him what you need. Here's the thing. Do you believe that God knows and sees your situation? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God knows and sees your situation? Where you're at right now. If you believe that, then we should turn to him and call out to him. Do you believe that he's a good father who wants to act on your behalf? I believe that. I haven't always believed that. Matter of fact, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you have a hard time believing that. So just seal that on your heart today so when you go through the hard season, you can remember that you believe that. God is a good father and he wants to act on our behalf. Then, if we believe these things, we should cry out to him in prayer. That is the first point. Turn to God in prayer. Here's the second one. Complain. Yep, you heard me right. I said complain. Let God know how you really feel. You can't hide it from him anyway. You think he's not just. You think he's done a few things that you wouldn't have done if you were God. Let him know. Complain to God about your circumstances. Complain to God about your circumstances. Number one, turn to God in prayer. Number two, complain to God about your circumstances. So here it is, verses two through four, you see this. It's hard, God. You ever said that to God? It's hard, God. I don't know if I can go through it. It's so hard. Look at verses five and six. We've already read them. We are weary. We are given no rest. Have you ever said this to God? I'm tired, Lord. I don't have enough strength. Literally, I could say that right now. I only got five hours of sleep. You should never preach on five hours of sleep. I'm tired, God. Stinking men's retreat. (laughs) 
Hey, you can pray to God. And we put our trust in him. That's coming. Verses 7 to 14, which I will not be reading. Well, I'll give you seven. How about that? Just that. Our fathers sinned and are no more. And we bear their iniquities. How true is that? Adam sinned. Eve sinned. They passed their sin on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I could be here for hours. To us. And we are therefore sinners. Coming straight from our mother's wombs. Sinners. Verses 7 through 14. Sin hurts. Sin hurts God. And it hurts everyone. You look at the passage. Women. Young women. Princes. Elders, young men, boys, old men, young men. It doesn't matter. Sin doesn't matter what gender you are, what position or status you have. It doesn't matter what age you are. Sin hurts. And so tell God that. God, sin hurts. My own sin hurts. And the sin of those around me hurts. When people revile you, Jesus didn't revile in return, right? That's great. But that hurts. Sin hurts. Say that to God in your lament. Complain to God about your circumstances. Then verses 15 through 18. Just let me read that for you. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. I can see why you want to move on from lamentations. (laughs) I get it. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us. We have sinned. I don't know anybody that likes to be reminded of their sin, like moment by moment. I think we've been reminded about our sin like three times in this passage already. I'm sick of being reminded about my sin. My sin is always before me. But that should lead us to repentance. We need to be led to repentance. That's our daily joy, honestly, with God. For this, our heart has become sick. For these things, our eyes have grown dim. Can't see anymore. I'm crying too hard. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, destroyed, jackals prowl over it. It's grim. But here's the thing you might not be getting. I have it written in my Bible between verses 15 and 16. There's no messianic hope. These people are looking for a Messiah. And the temple is ruined. And the walls are broken. And all. Everything is broken loose. They're like there's no way. That we're ever having a Messiah. There's no way. Our king's in exile. There's no way. The crown has fallen from our heads. So, maybe this is the last thing. It, it hurts, Lord. I'm tired, Lord. Sin hurts, Lord. It, sorry, it's hard. I'm tired. Sin hurts, Lord. And then there's no hope, Lord. My situation is so bad, there is absolutely no hope. 
I'll never see the other side. You'll never be good enough to get me through this, Lord. If you've been through the darkest night of the valley, you know what I'm talking about. And really, it's like Jesus isn't enough. That's what you're saying. That's what I'd be saying. These people were like, there's no messianic hope. Where's the Messiah? Is there even a chance? Everyone has been affected by trials, by sin, by suffering. And there's no hope. I want to ask Eliana to come up. She's going to read for us a passage that she has, well, not read. She hasn't memorized, but she's going to quote for us a passage from James chapter one. And I just thought this part of the message would be a good part for you to hear this. So James chapter one, Eliana. Stand in between the mics a little bit. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work in you, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich ought to take pride in his low position, for he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. The same way, In the same way, the rich man will fade away, even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he is stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God promises to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. For he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. James 1, 1 through 18. Thanks so much. Well done. You can clap for her there. Thank you, girl. Wow. That's how we should do it. And if you're going through a trial, you're going to want to remember this verse, right? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under a trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And then after that, just remember, it's not God tempting you. So you can complain to God, but it's not God's fault. It's not God tempting you. It's not God doing that thing to you, right? Just keep that in mind. So first, we turn to God in prayer. Second, we complain to God about our circumstance, not about him, but about what we're going through. And then next, we ask God to act on our behalf. We ask God to act on our behalf. Ask God boldly. Look at it. Verse 19. 
But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Now, isn't that a contrast? Look at verse 18. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. I mean, what happened between verse 18 and 19? Something happened between verse 18 and 19. It's like the thing you can't see. It happens when you turn to God. It happens when you start complaining to God. When you start addressing God face to face instead of muttering to other people about your problems. And muttering to yourself like we do, you know, like, oh, it's so hard. And that person did this and that person. Like when you start doing it to yourself, that, that doesn't help. But when you start engaging the Holy Spirit in prayer, when you start talking to your loving Heavenly Father, something about you changes. And all the nasty things that are rumbling, rumbling out of your mouth all of a sudden stop. And you say, but God, you're good. But God, you reign. But God, you're here. See, he does that. But you, oh Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Why, God? It's good to ask. And then he says this. Ask God to act on our behalf. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Because you're not coming back on your own. This isn't, I'll just pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'll just do better today. This depends on God. God, you restore us to yourself. You do it, God. I'm asking you to do it. I can't do it. You do it, Lord. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Because there's no other way we're going to be restored if you don't do it. Renew our days as of old. I have prayed this again and again. God, unless you go back three years and put our church in that spot, there's nothing we can do. But you can do that, God. You can make it like the last three years never happened. You can have fellowship. You can have unity. You can do it. You can restore us. You can make it renewed. I can't. You can't. But he can. And that's why we're studying Lamentations. Because we're turning to him to do that. Restore us to yourself. Renew the good from the past. We'll leave the old. We'll leave the bad behind. There's things we're going to change. We're always going to be changing and refining, growing to be more like Christ. But the good stuff, we want that, Lord. Don't reject us. So, verse 22, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us, the chapter doesn't end on an awesome note. And therefore, when Hebrews scholars or, or scribes, uh, uh, Pharisees, religious leaders would read this in the temple, they would always read verse 21, verse 22, and then they would read verse 21 again. Because they wanted to end on a good note. But here's what I want to say to you. Turn to God in prayer. Does everybody got that one? Number one. Two, because you're going to write a lament this week, right? Right? That was pretty weak. I didn't really give you much time. Would you be willing to 
to try your best. Just do your best at writing a lament this week. I believe it will help your heart. It'll help you engage with God and it'll turn you in the direction we all need to go. God will do that. I'm trusting God to do that for you and me this week. Nothing you can do. God will do it for you. Turn to God in prayer. Complain to God about your circumstances. It's hard. I'm tired. Sin hurts. There's no hope. Then read James 1. (laughs) Consider it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds. Be steadfast. Walk through that thing. Right? Ask God to act on our behalf. There's a verse for that in the New Testament. I just want to flip over to Hebrews real quick. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 4. And then I'm going to take you to 1 Peter. I think the key is they didn't have the New Testament. But we do. We have the New Testament. That book of Lamentation ends on a note. Well, unless you reject us, I guess you could choose to do that, God. Did God reject us? Or did he send his one and only son to die for us so that we could be in sweet relationship with him? I think it's pretty clear what he did. He did not reject us. So the answer to lamentation is uh, God didn't reject you. He's trying to restore you. He wants to renew you. Matter of fact, he's going to do something beyond what you could ask or think. It's better than before. So you're probably at Hebrews chapter four waiting for me. Verse 14. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus is his name, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. No trial should be able to get me off of my claim, my statement, declaration that Jesus is Lord. Hold fast to that confession. Jesus is Lord. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Trials and tribulations expose our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's why we have hope. God is sinless. Jesus was not sinning. He was sinless. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what Lamentations 5 is all about. It's a communal prayer. That's what we're going to do next week. All of us in a community are going to bring our prayer to God. And ask God for mercy. Ask God to act on our behalf. He sent Jesus. He has not rejected us. God had the right to reject us. Let's just be clear. But he chose not to reject us. He chose to renew us. Keep going in your Bible to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. See, we have the rest of the story. And I just want to remember, remind you that the first two verses here were, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. Our inheritance. 
Remember I said, right? First Peter down. Here you go. First Peter. We'll just end with this. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Just let this soak over you. Just let, just let it cascade over you like a river. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus already raised from the dead. To an inheritance. There it is. There's our word. Our inheritance went to strangers. No, 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 no. Our inheritance is right here. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Bam! That's the gospel. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. What's the last point, you, you might say? Steve, Steve, you turn. What's the last point? Number four. Choose to trust God. That's faith. No more fear of your circumstance. No more fear of what's going on around you. Choose faith in God. God, I don't know what you're doing right now. This doesn't feel right. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see it through with you. I know you love me. And this is for my good. And for your glory. Choose to trust God, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, verse 5, for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. And that time's coming quicker than you think. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Sound familiar? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is being tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Do you know what a trial is? Do you know what a tribulation is? It's an opportunity for you to lament, to say, God, I'm turning back to you. God, I'm complaining. I don't like what it feels like. This isn't awesome. I'm your child. Why do I have to go through this? Act on my behalf, God. Do something cool. Take this from me, if you will. Didn't Jesus do that in the garden? Remove this cup from me. But if you don't, I'll willingly go through it. I'll suffer even to the point of death, Lord, because I trust in you. This is the gospel. It gets me so excited. Though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Is that true, church? I've never seen Jesus. Do you love him? I do. Do you believe in him? I do. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the gospel. This is the pure, unadulterated gospel. 
So you can leave Lamentations and you can walk forward and you can be like, all right, I get it. Jeremiah, that was a rough spot. And you wrote five laments, five lamentations, right? That's why they're lamentations. Five laments, separate ones. And it taught us something about how to respond to God in the darkest night of the soul. Now, when you face that, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says, I will fear no evil because God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We church need to practice what the Bible says. And that is that we have a high priest. His name is Jesus. He died for us. He lives for us. He was tempted. He understands weakness. He took on flesh. And yet he was sinless. He paid the debt for us so that we now don't have to be sinless. You're not trying to be sinless. If you're trying to be sinless, you're, 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 that's a mess. Don't do that. We're not trying to be sinless. We're trying to fall into the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And in his Holy Spirit, live holier and holier and holier as he changes us, as he renews us, as he sanctifies us, so that you might go through a trial two years ago, and it was really hard. And this year, you could go through the same type of trial, and you could be like just a little better. And then next two years, be a little bit better. And the next two years, be a little bit better. And I'm not saying trials aren't going to come. I'm saying Jesus died for your trials. Jesus went through the trials like you're going through the trials so that you have hope in a future with him. Is that clear? Is that encouraging? Does that encourage you as much as it encourages me? Because I don't like going through this. I don't like going through hardships. I don't ever want to talk about the last three years again. Next week, lament. It doesn't have to be about church. It can be about personal stuff. It doesn't matter. Matter of fact, I hope it's not about church, but you can do whatever you want. Lament about what you have. I'm telling you, after next week, it's done. It's covered by the blood of Christ, and we are not returning to that. We've taken the time to grieve, to mourn, to lament. If you need more time, that's great. But corporately, we're walking forward. We're walking forward. We're going to leave this season behind. And we are praying that God restores us and renews us to something greater.